the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Never forget. That's what's been said about the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor since the day it happened. And that was 77 years ago today, December 7th, 1941. My parents lived it, and they never forgot it. Uh, My dad ended up on a Navy ship in the Pacific because of it. But here are some students at Michigan State who forgot or maybe never learned, and this says something about what's being taught in high schools these days. When did Pearl Harbor take place? Ooh, 1960s sometime. I feel like it's somewhere in the 80s. 1914 or something. 1914? Yeah, it's only with World War I. World War II. If you switch the four and the one, you're right, it's 1941. Do you know the day? Uh, no. I say November 11th or May 7th. Those are my two days that I'm thinking of. Um, <laughs> it's December 7th, December 7th okay. 1941. Where is Pearl Harbor located? Um, is it? Okay. It's either off the coast of Florida or Hawaii-ish. Which one? Ooh. Um, 50-50. I'm going to go with Florida. It's Hawaii. Dang it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who attacked Pearl Harbor? Um... I'm not. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor. When did that take place? December seventh, nineteen forty-one. There you go. Where is Pearl Harbor located? Hawaii. Okay. And uh, who attacked us at Pearl Harbor? The Japanese. Why is it important to know about Pearl Harbor and what happened? It started American involvement in World War II. It was the first major attack on U.S. soil, and the only way that the Allies could come back and win was with our help. It helped the world out a great deal. I feel like it was the 80s. Oh, my. How do you get out of high school without knowing what happened at Pearl Harbor? And, you know, it's not something that you have an excuse for not knowing because you were absent that day. It was covered in class. It used to be something that if you were an American over the age of, I don't know, 12, you just kind of knew because you heard it mentioned more than once in your life. And it shouldn't matter how many years go by. That's a subject for another day, by the way. And we'll get to that. Uh, We'll find out what they're teaching kids in history class one of these days. But FDR was president, and he said it last as a day of infamy. And if you talk to liberals, they'll tell you that he belongs on Mount Rushmore for what he did for the country in World War II. Now, I, just getting back to what we just heard from those kids at Michigan State, the, the, one, the girl said, uh, I want to say Florida or Hawaii. That's 9,000 miles difference, okay? Florida and Hawaii. I mean, there's, both, there's an ocean around both of them. And they're both, you know, part of the United States, although Hawaii wasn't then. So, uh, how do you how do you exist and how do you get to college without and and being that uninformed? Well, FDR, FDR was president, so um, and we're going to have an historian come by here in just a second and tell you that uh, he thinks FDR deserves some infamy of his own. That's coming up on the John Stagerwald Show on AM twelve fifty. The answer. Stick around. We'll be right back. at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage. The 2018 Donut Hole is closing fast. Open enrollment ends December 7th, and you have some important decisions to make today. This is John Stagerwald. Medicare is confusing. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial know you have questions, and they have the answers you're looking for. Before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold Pat for 2019? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premium going up next year and how much should you switch your part d prescription plan or drop it all together don't go it alone let marley financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want a plan that focuses not just on cost 
but quality with lower deductibles and co-pays that are little to none. Why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses? Visit MarleyFG.com today. That's MarleyFG.com. Over two-thirds of Christian young people will step away from their faith while attending a non-Christian college or university. But AM 1250 The Answer and Salem Media Pittsburgh have a solution. Salem Media Pittsburgh has partnered with Judson University, a private Christian college, in offering a limited number of special grants designed to decrease the cost of tuition by over half. These tuition grants are available now. Call our tuition solution specialist at 412-503-4769 to reserve yours. Healthy Pets. Healthy people focusing on a natural, holistic approach for human and animal wellness. Host Dr. Edmund Sokowski and his guests discuss various topics on health and wellness for us and our companion animals. Airs each Saturday, live from 9 to 10 in the morning on 1250 AM, The Answer. Giving you the opportunity to call in with your questions. A healthy pet is a happy pet and being healthy makes people happy. Tune in, listen, learn, be well. Everybody's doing it, and everybody's making money at it, except you. You're losing holiday business to your online competitors, and you don't know how to get in the game. Talk to us at Salem Surround, digital marketing experts who offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness, even if you have none, and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales coming out of this season. We can design and implement all of your online marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports on results, and instantly move your dollars to the most effective areas of your online advertising and sales. Social marketing, geofencing, web search enhancement, event targeting, and more. Now, there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround, increasing sales dramatically. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. That's surroundpittsburgh.com, connecting you with new customers. Truth is timeless. At the Original Mattress Factory, our business philosophy is based on honesty and truth, and it never changes. Simply stated, we treat our customers the way we want to be treated ourselves. This means we treat people with respect, we educate rather than manipulate, and we offer genuine value and substantial savings, not simply by saying it, but by proving it with cutaways of our mattresses compared side-by-side with the mainstream brands. Stop by one of our store locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Here at the Original Mattress Factory, we'd like to know, is it better to give or receive? One lucky winner in each of our markets will get to make that choice for themselves this Christmas. In the spirit of the season, we will be giving away a queen-size orthopedic luxury firm mattress set for each winner to either give to a loved one or receive for themselves. Visit any of our stores by December 18th to enter and for all official rules. No purchase is necessary to win, but eligibility restrictions do apply. May your holiday be merry and bright, and you always sleep tight. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. We attacked yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. That was Franklin Delano Roosevelt on December 8, 1941, telling the country they were going to go to war with Japan because of what happened 77 years ago today, the day before he made that speech. That was the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and FDR called it a day of infamy. We have an historian who's here to tell you that FDR deserves some infamy himself. His name is Daniel Oliver. He's the chairman of the board of the Education and Research Institute. Daniel, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So, uh, the headline of your piece is Pearl Harbor Day, one for which Franklin Delano Roosevelt shoulders infamy. That's pretty strong stuff, and I don't think it's widely believed. Why not? Well, I, that's a good question, and partly because the history books don't teach it. I talked about the history book that my organization, Education and Research Institute, uh, or project, we put up a, uh, a critique of a textbook online, um, at trueamericanhistory.us, 
Uh, and you can see the kinds of things that the, hist the history book writers write. And so when you get down to the Pearl Harbor part of this book, um, they don't attach any blame to Roosevelt at all. And I think that's very standard in the history books. Um, so one of the things we have done with our project is to write a, uh, write a number of critiques about a lot of American history, and this is part of it. But the answer is, to your question, is that people aren't taught anything other than the very basic sort of fact, which is that the Japanese attacked, apparently out of the blue, on December 7th. But there's a lot more to the backstory, of course. Well, you, uh, in the book you're talking about is the American pageant. Yes, uh, American it, pageant. Yeah, and it's used in a lot of high schools as a history book, and it says no one in high authority in Washington, this is a quote from the book, no one in high authority in Washington seems to have believed that the Japanese were either strong enough or foolhardy enough to strike Hawaii. Now, where does that, where does that book go <laughs> wrong on that? I mean, that, that's a pretty basic thing there. Well, I mean, the, the answer is, of course, that there were people, as I say, um, the Navy, the Navy brass um, thought that the fleet was uh, terribly, badly and unnecessarily exposed by being left in Hawaii. They wanted to pull it back to San Francisco. So um, it just isn't true that no one in authority. And in fact, when when Admiral Joe Richardson um, uh, uh, went to uh, Roosevelt and, and told him that the, uh, actually he said the Navy had lost uh, confidence in the civilian management, but he told them that they ought to move the fleet out of Pearl Harbor. Uh, Roosevelt said, no, it's perfectly safe there. And then he said, Joe, you just don't understand that this is an election year. It was 1940. And there are certain things that can't be done no matter what until the election is over. And so he, he was waiting really for, for, um, for the election to end before he, before he fired Richardson. And he put in the lackey, and the lackey agreed with Roosevelt that the uh, fleet was perfectly safe. But, of course, we know it wasn't. So, Daniel, I mean, that's some really strong stuff there. Uh, imagine that <laughs> happening. I mean, this is 1941. Um, well, there was no television. There was no Internet. Uh, imagine someone trying to get away with that now. Uh, there's no way that, that um, I mean, I, and I don't know what was going on, obviously, in 1941, but... Uh, there's no way that that happens today. Uh, a president well, was, couldn't get away with that. No, I think that that could be true. There was a lot going on, a lot going on in the government. Um, they were squeezing the Japanese. Um, they were, you know, cutting off the supplies and and uh, uh, sending aid to uh, the Chinese resistance against the Japanese. They embargoed shipments of scrap iron to Japan. Um, they'd frozen Japan's assets in the United States. Um, so. So they were basically dealing harshly with the Japanese, and and they really they wanted the Japanese to attack. I think it's, I think it's probably uh, uh, accepted in many quarters, but not all, that that they that they wanted some kind of a, a small attack somewhere where there wouldn't be any damage, any serious damage done, and that would be a pretext for the war. And what they what they should, should obviously have done knowing what they were trying to do, which was to provoke the Japanese, they should have said, wait a minute, guys, um, we're, we're talking about provoking them, but we've got the Pacific Fleet exposed in Pearl Harbor. And so that was the disconnect. I mean, they were really trying to get the Japanese to go first. I mean, you read the diaries, and that's reasonably apparent. But, but with the Pacific Fleet sitting out there in, in Hawaii, that was ridiculous. Well, that's and, and I I think everybody is anybody who's paid any kind of attention or uh, looked into this at all has heard talk that you know Roosevelt knew it was coming, and you get this impression sometimes that he was sitting there on December sixth, uh, expecting to wake up the next morning knowing that um, you know Pearl Harbor had been attacked, but it wasn't that it wasn't like that, right? No, I mean, I don't, they, they, I mean, they, they can't have known, who knows what they really knew, but they can't have known exactly when and exactly where. I say they can't. Um, they had broken the Japanese codes, so they knew a lot, and they knew a lot more than they were letting on. But I don't think anybody has asserted that they knew for sure uh, the Japanese were going to attack uh, under 7-7 in Pearl Harbor. I don't think anybody, I mean, there may be some people who say that, but that's not really the point. That The point is that they were... They were basically provoking the Japanese, and and because they knew they were provoking the Japanese, they should have um, uh, looked after their their the United States assets um, uh, better than they did. 
um, knowing that they're provoking them. They should, somebody should have said, as Joe Richardson did, hey, guys, um, you've got the Pacific Fleet exposed there out in Hawaii. And he'd done um, simulated dive bombings a year before and said, hey, this is we could be attacked easily. So it was... I think it was worse than careless. You could, you could say, well, they were just really careless, um, and they were at least that. But I think there's probably more. I think they, they were cavalier in their deployment of assets. Wow. We're talking to Daniel Oliver. He's the chairman of the board of the Education and Research Institute. Today is the anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Daniel has a piece, uh, and he's, done, he's done a, studied a lot of um, American history, uh, that's being taught, and uh, he's got problems with a lot of things, but we're focusing on Pearl Harbor right now. Um, you mentioned in there that that uh, that they did simulated attacks on Pearl Harbor as far back as 1932. That, that's, what, nine years before the actual attack happened. That's uh, That that's makes you believe that something was festering there for a long time. Yeah, so, well, of course, that's what the Navy, that's what the military is supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be be uh, guessing and anticipating what not only the enemy but an enemy can do. So I think that's the kind of stuff they do all the time to figure out where are we vulnerable and where are the good points, where are the bad points. So that's why Richardson, who done those, those simulated attacks, had a real sense that um, Hawaii was no place to hold up the fleet given the direction that the, um, the civilian administration was taking the country, which was squeezing Japan and basically looking for a fight. And you say, I mean, I'm trying to put this in a, a modern context. It would be like the 9-11 attacks and George Bush knowing that an attack was hoping, hoping that uh, there would be some kind of a terrorist attack to get the people's attention and get people behind him. But then it turned into 9-11 which is, you know, which was would have been much bigger than what he was planning. Is that kind of? Yes, I mean, it would be it would be like that, but but not quite like that because um, George Bush wasn't squeezing them. Um, he wasn't. I uh, hadn't spent several years making life intolerable for, intolerable for them, which is what Roosevelt had been doing. So the yeah, but doesn't that attack. depend on the the perspective of who's being squeezed? Uh, the the uh, I mean, um, you say that he was squeezing them. Uh, does that are you saying that that Roosevelt knew that he was squeezing the Japanese and doing it purposely, or was he just doing oh, yeah. things that he thought he had to, that were necessary because he was a president and these are no, things no, he had to do? No, no. In January of forty, he terminated the Roosevelt, the U.S. terminated the U.S. Japan Treaty. In July of forty, um, as I say, he restricted exports to Japan. In September, they sent $25 million, which in 1940 was a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, to the Chinese resistance against Japanese incursions, and he embargoed shipments of scrap iron to Japan. Um, then they, in '41, they froze all Japanese assets in the United States and expanded the embargo. So they knew, the, I mean, the official State Department history um, talks about the Japanese being faced with serious shortages as a result of the embargo and not able to retreat. Um, they were convinced that um, U.S. would not uh, negotiate further, and they came to the conclusion that they had to act. But they came to that conclusion because of the uh, number of, of ac- actions that the United States had taken against the Japanese. And, and, of course, the Americans knew that. They were taking the actions, for heaven's sakes. So that's why I say they were pushing them to war. And, and, and given that they were doing that, and obviously they knew they were doing that, they should have taken more care. Um, to make sure that the U.S. assets were safer, and Hawaii's a long way away. We're talking to Daniel Oliver, chairman of the board of the Education and Research Institute, who has uh, a piece out today talking about uh, that you know FDR deserves some some infamy, infamy himself for what happened at uh, on Pearl Harbor uh, in 1941 on this date. Um, I guess. Uh, well, so where, where did you did you have this? Conception before uh, was this a preconception that you had, or did you is this something that you came upon in doing research? Well, I've known about this for a long time. Yeah, um, um, I didn't write the uh, Education Research Institute's critique that we have up online at TrueAmericanHistory.us. That was written by an American history professor, but I've I didn't actually know the Joe Richardson part. Um, or maybe I've forgotten that, but I, I knew some of the rest of it. I knew that yeah. the administration was taking steps, um, basically, to uh, squeeze Japan. 
Um, and so I've always known that that the idea that it was a com- that the the uh, Pearl Harbor was a complete surprise was not true. And they, as I say, they didn't know the date, they didn't know the place, but they knew that um, uh, they were squeezing the Japanese enough so they would attack. So I've I've known, and that's I think in a sense well known by people who have studied this period. Uh, but it's not widely known to the public because the public doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about Pearl Harbor. But in this textbook, they ought to be, it ought to be more balanced and more nuanced, saying that that uh, describing what was going on at the time. Um, and as I say, the Pearl Harbor bit is it is troubling because the president, the administration was told that Pearl Harbor was no place to leave the the Pacific Fleet. And so they bear a lot of responsibility for that. And and it was 2,700 people died. Yeah, a lot of people um, died. And it that had to be, it had to be uh, an interesting morning for FDR. Because uh, <laughs> if he was, because he, you could say that, he, you know, he was not, that was not that surprising to him, but he didn't expect anything that big, right? And that that's, no, what you're, he, that's why he should be infamous right. is what you're saying. Exactly. He, he got the war he wanted. You know, and, and it's, it's a little worse now because, yeah, the destruction was awful. Uh, no question about it. He got the war he wanted, but he got the war he wanted after um, campaigning on not sending your boys to war. So, um, again, he's a typical politician, but the mm-hmm. point was, he said, you know, we'll, your boys won't go to war. We'll keep you out of war. And I don't think he believed that for a moment. I think he was already angling at that point to get into the war. That's pretty so, evil stuff there, Daniel. Uh, for a yeah, guy well, as, rever- as revered as FDR is. I know. Uh, I know that's part of the myth. Is that he was great? He was a great president. But if you look at his economic, uh, well, program, I know that. Yeah, he, they were terrible. He, right. You know, unemployment seven years after he was elected president, unemployment hadn't gone down a single number. He prolonged. There are people who will tell you uh, yep. that he prolonged the depression. No question about by that. By several I, years. No question about that. And war, I think, in his mind, war was a way of getting out of the depression. Well, uh, so um, as far as you know, was anybody blaming him? I don't know if you came across this in your research uh, and whether it would still exist if they did, or if it was in the, in any of the papers, or if there's any record of it. Was anybody blaming FDR in the immediate aftermath, you know, on uh, on Monday, December 8th, where people... <laughs> I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if there were... If there were I mean, publicly. Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if privately people in the administration right next to Roosevelt said to him, okay, buddy, you got the war you wanted. Um, I mean, that would, that would, because if you read their diaries, they all said, okay, war's coming, and, and they must have known that Roosevelt wanted it. So I don't, I don't know if, the his, if that's um, recorded in the history, but, it, but it, it must have been thought privately by the people who were there. Wow. Well, i got a little bit of time left, um, and I just want to ask you one quick question not related to Pearl Harbor because you, you, you're involved with uh, – you're the chairman of the board of the Education and Research Institute and you looked at that book, the history book, uh, American Pageant. If you got about a minute, uh, tell me uh, one other major story in American history that they got wrong big time. Well, um, they, uh, my, my favorite um, uh, of the stories they got wrong was one about Al Jahiss. Um, they say – uh, I can't quote directly from memory, but they say that, first of all, a lot of people don't know who Alger Hiss was anymore, but he was a spy um, who was uh, caught and convicted. And he, uh, the textbook says that he was uh, tried and convicted um, of, uh, of uh, uh, not remembering certain things, mm-hmm. um, perjury, because he, he couldn't remember things. Well, he was tried for perjury. What he couldn't remember was that he was a spy passing documents to the Soviet Union. It's <laughs> um, <and laughs> a pretty big difference. They, they pass it off as as oh, and he couldn't. He misremembered something and didn't didn't get it right. Didn't get it right. He was a spy, and they nailed him. But the but the statute of limitations for espionage had expired, so all they could get him on was perjury. But they got him in perjury and sent him to the slammer for five years. But the idea that oh well he just misremembered some things paints him out as a as a victim basically right and he wasn't a victim he was a spy damn it <laughs> hey Daniel I'm out of time I'm, I'm going to keep you on file here for when another historical issue comes up I want to refer to you appreciate Terrific. you being on thanks okay thank you, you very much and we'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. U.S. stocks fell sharply Friday, erasing an early gain as the market closed in on its third weekly decline in four weeks. The Dow dropped 559 points to 24,389. The Nasdaq plunged 219 points, and the S&P 500 dropped 63 points. Bankrate.com's Mark Hamrick says market volatility will continue. We do not know whether this will turn into a prolonged bear market or not, but one thing's for sure, uh, volatility is here for a while, and we need to get a lot of issues resolved that have to do with trade, with the direction of interest rates, as well as uh, what earnings will look like in 2019. The S&P 500 and Dow are now in the red for the year. The Nasdaq was holding on to a modest gain. Oil prices spiked after OPEC countries agreed to reduce global oil production. It closed at $52.61. This is SRN News. If you could do something to protect your family with just 10 minutes effort, would you bother? If something should ever happen to you, that 10-minute effort could mean the difference between hardship and financial security for your loved ones. Life insurance is something most people don't like to think about. Too many people do nothing until it's too late. The reason? People expect it'll be a big hassle. Ethos changes all that. Ethos is modern life insurance for people who don't have the time for fine print, extra doctor's appointments, or hidden fees. Ethos is affordable. It only takes about 10 minutes to apply online, and you'll be taking the first step in ensuring your family has the help they need to maintain the life you're building for them, even if the unexpected happens. Ethos brings you choices that don't require an in-person meeting with an agent. And in most cases, there's no need for a doctor's appointment. Ethos, life insurance for the 21st century. Apply online in just 10 minutes. Get a free quote now at getethos.com. That's getethos.com. Getethos.com. In the last two years, this president somehow managed to defeat the mainstream media and the forces of darkness on the left. He managed to get two strong judges in the Supreme Court. He turned around a bad economy and put millions back to work. He rebuilt the military, saved sick veterans. He beat back the Islamic terrorists known as ISIS. But these victories are hanging by a thread. Now the real fight begins to keep those gains and get more. It's not time to let up now. Find out what needs to be done. Stick with this station to know more. AM 1250, The Answer. Hey, just ask your delivery guy. Or the guy who built your delivery guy's house. Or the guy who laid the highway for the guy who built your delivery guy's house. Ford Commercial Vehicles can handle the job. During commercial vehicle season, save on Transit, Transit Connect, E-Series, Super Duty, and Medium Duty trucks. Ford Trucks and Vans. Year after year, America's best-selling line of commercial vehicles because they're built Ford Tough. Claim based on IHS market calendar year 1985 through 2017. U.S. tip registrations excluding registrations to individuals. See your dealer for details. Could market volatility derail your retirement? How are you protecting your assets and your standard of living from the next market downturn? Investing experts in the minds of Wall Street agree that the next downturn is imminent. They just don't know when or how much money will be lost. Would you like to learn about alternatives that can protect your principal, safeguard your standard of living, and continue building for financial stability even as others are losing in the next market downturn? Pittsburgh's planning resource at Hunt & Associates help to protect their client's principal and make sure that your retirement income will last as long as your retirement. And they offer you your choice of two free books, one that explains how to have a stress-free retirement and protect your principal, or the essential retirement planning resource, Income Allocation, explaining how to structure a plan for lasting retirement. Retirement income. To request your free copy of Stress Free Retirement or Income Allocation, call Hunt and Associates today. 844 366 Hunt. That's 844 366 4868. To request your free copy of Stress Free Retirement or Income Allocation. You wouldn't put a square peg in a round hole. So why would you deploy a traditional firewall in a modern decentralized network? Firewalls have new requirements for businesses leveraging SaaS based applications and public cloud platforms like AWS. Azure, and Google Cloud. We're in the cloud generation now, so your firewalls have to be engineered to fit right in. Reclaim your cloud network. Try a Barracuda cloud generation network or application firewall free at barracuda.com slash firewalls. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Parkway West inbound, seeing some delays around 60 and also from Carnegie down to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Parkway East heavy outbound, Bait Street to Edgewood, Swissvale. Inbound from Edgewood Avenue to Squirrel Hill Tunnel, 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Then we also see some delays on inbound 28 at 31st Street Bridge. There's a disabled vehicle taking out the left lane and the delays start around Butler Street. Also a lot of volume on the outbound side of 28. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. 
turning out mainly clear and quite cold for tonight. The low 20 degrees in the city, but will be well down into the teens in most of the surrounding suburbs tonight. For tomorrow, partly sunny with a high of 30 degrees, partly cloudy tomorrow night. The low 18 for Sunday, sunshine and some clouds not quite as harsh, high 37 degrees. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we had some bad news earlier this week. We got news that uh, one of the big names in Pittsburgh television history had died, my former competitor and friend Sam Nover. And I wanted to get some perspective from a guy who worked with him for a long time at Channel 11. I'm sure you remember John Fedko. He joins us now. John, thanks for being here. It's great to be here, John. It's an honor to be on your show. Now, uh, the, uh, unfortunately, the reason uh, we have you on is because of the bad news we got on uh, Monday that uh, Sam Nover had died. Um, and uh, you actually asked me if you could come on and just talk about Sam because you worked with him for how many years? I worked with him for 15 years, John, and I think not enough was made about the legend of Sam Nover. I think it was way underplayed. I know that none of the newspapers talked to me. I worked with him for 15 years. Um, and this guy was a legend here. He was a giant. He was a part of the fabric of this community for years. It should have been on the front page of the Post-Gazette. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, look, no question. I worked in TV for 30 years, and I watched him when I was in college. So, uh, you know, I mean, he was on the air eight or ten years before he was on in like 69 or 70 and i didn't go on until 78 so i mean i was i was 19 20 years old and i was watching him on tv and then i ended up hanging out with him and competing with him yeah john i think it's just again you and i are kind of grumpy old men but it kind of shows you how the the the, the turnover in this town which it's not the same town you and i were working in the 90s i think it's become more like phoenix and orlando it, 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 I mean, how could people who make news decisions not think that's not a major story? I mean, it should have been the lead story on the newscast. It should have been front page of the newspaper. This guy was a legend here. I mean, he was as big as any Steeler in the 70s. He was part of that because he did so much, you know, work with the Steelers. Yeah, he was preseason uh, games, he was, yeah. He was, he, was a, he was an absolute giant here. And, you know, yeah, it was a nice write-up. He got. They talked to Albie, who never even worked with him. <laughs> They, and I love Albie. It's not that it's Albie. They're, they're the ones who called him, but they should have got a hold of people like me who, who had a chance to actually work with this legend for years to get some insight into him because he was truly one of the broadcasting giants and not just of Pittsburgh of the country. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, he was doing network uh, for a couple of years. He left here and then came back. And when did you start working with and him? And he was good at it. Yeah. And he was good at it. <laughs> uh, I started working with him in 1987, but obviously... You know, I had been in the industry. Now, I came here a young punk. I was 27 years old, but I had been working in TV for six years on air before I got here. And, of course, I knew who he was. I not only knew about it because he'd done network stuff, but anybody who knows anything about Pittsburgh television knew that this guy was a legend in the mid-'80s. I mean, John, I tweeted this, and I mean it with all sincerity, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on your show, but I'm an old man now, so I can... I can put out some pretty good opinions about this industry, about two things, two things that I know a lot about, I think, which is, you know, the television industry and sportscasting and baseball, because as mm. you know, I live and breathe and eat baseball. You're a scene head, yeah. I just absolutely, you know, it's been my whole life. But when it comes to, to the 90s, of course, I, I, I was on the air almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week for that decade. And it was without a doubt, without a doubt, the, without a doubt in my mind, the greatest 10 years of sports coverage personalities in the history of this town. You had you, and I'm telling you, you were a giant. You were a star. I mean, you had your own wit, your own personality. You were Keith Oberman before Keith Oberman. I think you're the, I think you're the way better version of that. So if you wanted the acerbic wit or you wanted the guy that was really clever, you watched you. There was Stan Savern, who, again, is a living legend. This guy's one of the greatest sportscasters in the country. He was on daily. There was Myron Cope, probably the greatest sports celebrity other than Howard Cosell, who ever lived on the air when it comes to on-air figures. He was on daily. He had a radio show. He was on Channel 4. You had Bill Hillgrove, who was a legendary, over at 4. You had Sam Nover. I was just a punk kid, and I knew that. John, I knew that. I knew, and my shtick 
the thing I did, I glammed on to high school football, and mm-hmm. that's what they brought me in for. And I thought John Howe, the GM there, was, was really smart to do it. He saw an opening for high school football. He saw tapes of what I was doing, and, and he figured, you know, we got an opening here. John Howe was a genius, the GM there. But my stuff doesn't work if I'm not working with a guy like Sam Nover. Sam was class. Sam was the perfect sportscaster. Go watch a Sam Nover sportscast. He never made a mistake. No, and he, he was a perfect bubbled, foil. He, for, he was a foil he for what you were doing. Perfect. You know? Yeah. He was, John, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. And, and by the way, that was kind of like with you and Pomp. I right. mean, Pomp's the vanilla guy, and yeah. you were the guy with the. It, it, you you got to have a foil. And, and I knew that, and the, and the management knew that. And the thing about Sam was, Sam was. Not he was he was a class individual. I, here's a story I want to tell about Sam Nover. I've never told before, and and it it, it it tells you all you need to know about Sam Nover. In 1989, Channel 11 decided to put me on the 11. Now Sam Nover was a giant. He was still a giant. He was right. doing all the post game for the Steelers. He was uh, you know, a legend in the town. The only reason they were going to put me on 11 had nothing to do with my talent. And I say this with all humility. I didn't have any talent, but they wanted to emphasize. High school coverage, they thought it was a chance to, 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 to you know, really take Skylights to another level. So they were going to put me on the 11, do more high school stuff. So they called up Sam Nover into the office, and, you know, they told him, hey, you know, we're putting FedCo on the 11. And then they called me up. Now, I, I, I honestly, honestly, when I came in that day, it was, it was a Monday. When I came in that day, I had no idea that was going to happen. I really didn't. So I'm going up the stairways to John Howell's office. And, again, John Howell was just I can't say enough about what a he's great a GM. GM. And by the way, yeah. his son Jay is working at KDKA. Mm-hmm. So I have unbelievable respect for Jay Howe. And watch KDKA because they're going to blow everybody away, I believe. Thanks to Jay Howe's leadership. But I, I digress. But anyway, I'm going up the stairway. And stairwell that goes up to the big GM's office. He had this giant office. You know, in those days, it was the golden era of television. Right, right. He had this huge office top of the Channel 11 building which is on television hill and Sam's coming down and I really don't know what they're going to, what, what, why is GM called me up? Sam's coming down the stairways. Sam stops me. And he, he shakes my hand and he says, John, I'm really happy for you. He said, I've had these moments before and I'm just happy for you. So congratulations. That's what he said to me. They, they, they had just told him he was being taken off the 11. Wow. And instead of going down moping, he, you know, he, he was like an athlete off the air. He was completely poised all the time. He had unbelievable class. As you know, he always looked good. His preparation was, was, was without peer. He was always prepared. The guy was a legendary sportscaster. If you put in the dictionary, perfect sportscaster, I think you put a picture of Sam Nover there. That's how good he was. And, and, you know, it, 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 it hit me like it hit everybody. I, I, was, I didn't go right on the tweet right away. Like, I'm going to say that was bad. But it just hit me. You know, like, Sam's dead? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, Sam was uh, – somebody tweeted this. I think it was Dulac. And Sam had told me this. And it, it was true. He said, you know, once I retire, you won't see me again. I'm just going to – he loved his daughters, Molly and Dana, two incredible women. And his daughters are reflections of him. They're, they're really remarkable women, and, and he always, every day, talked about his daughter's mom. Yeah, I know that, yeah. So, you know, when, when, he, when, he, when he retired, I knew he was going to go spend some time with them. He loved golf, so I'm sure he was down in Florida golfing. But, you know, he, he just, he, he kind of went away. He never saw him again up here. But that doesn't mean you forget about the guy. I mean, he's as big as Terry Bradshaw. Let people laugh at me. I'm not kidding you. This guy, think about what he was doing in the 70s. He came in 70, he got to go with the Super Steelers. He was doing all the post-game. Remember, Channel 11 or WIIC was a dog. They had nobody right. but Sam Nover. They had nobody but Sam Nover. That's right. He was the station. He was everything. Now, here's the thing, and, John. Let me just so, tell you. Let me just slow, slow you down there for a minute. I'm just thinking about this. Sam Nover gets here in 1970. The Pirates uh, win the World Series in 71. 71. They have the yep. Johnny Bench uh, uh, wild pitch, Bob Moose wild pitch in 72. Johnny Majors gets hired in 73. Uh, the the Steelers go to the Super Bowl in 70. First, you have the Immaculate Reception in 72. Then you have in 74, uh, 73, Johnny Majors shows up. 74, the Steelers go to the Super Bowl. 75, they go to the Super Bowl. Both those years, the Pirates are in the playing for the chance to go to the World Series. 76, Pitt wins the national championship. And then he's got two more yeah. Super Bowls following after that. That's a pretty good decade. 
It was in, in, in Nova. If you go back and look at, at some of this stuff, which got some of these kids in these newsrooms have no idea. You go, the guy was incredible. He, he was, he was a perfectionist. I saw it. I'd be on the road with him. You know, we used to do the Steelers games. We yeah. used to do the, the preseason games. Yeah. And I'd be on the road with him, and I'd go up in his room, and he, the room would be like, a, it'd be like a stack of papers. I mean, this guy had incredible preparation. Ask anybody who ever, who ever worked with him, even at the network level. I know Trumpy worked with him a lot. Yeah. He was in. He was a perfectionist. He he, not, he didn't do anything. Nothing happened by accident. Mm-hmm. Sam Nover wasn't wasn't a great sportscaster by accident. He put the work in. The other thing about Sam was he was. You know, he had this reputation, like all of us do, you know, that, oh, you know, he had, he had an ego. Well, everybody has an ego in TV. But let me right. tell you something about Sam. As you saw, he was always gracious to viewers. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. He was always a gentleman. He, was all, he always conducted himself with class. He always looked like a sportscaster, which I think was part of his gig. He oh, was a no wonderful question. family guy. He, the, he, he, was he, the, he was the perfect sportscaster. You're right. He was the perfect sports catch. But I will say this, you know, I'm not but, but listen, John, I tweeted this and I mean it. And, and by the way, it got a ton of response, which tells me a lot of people agree with me. Mm-hmm. Take a look at what was going on in that town. And I'm not going to leave out Smythe and Kyden. I thought Bob Smythe and Bruce Kyden were, were two of the greatest sports columnists in the country, not just Pittsburgh, in the country. I mean, Kyden and Smythe, you know, Kyden was the Post-Gazette, Smythe was the press. It was must-read. I mean, it was yeah. just must read. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just and and, and it was you don't see that. I I I don't want to like a grumpy old man, but you just don't see it anymore, John. You no, don't, you, don't, uh, you know you when you when you tweeted that, John. Anymore. When you tweeted that about uh, Kaiden and Smizek, um I, I I still see Bob every once in a while. Bruce Kaiden died a few years ago, but there uh, and and some of it, some of uh, a, a lot of this is is a result of just things, the technology changing and the the priorities of the TV stations and the, and the papers and everything else. Everything's changed so much, but. There is nobody uh, writing a column now that's like that that could cause a stir like Bob Smizek could. Correct. There, that's, that's there isn't the anybody. Example I can tell. That's right. It's exactly right. And, uh, and they're good columnists working, but they don't. They don't. They're not doing that. They're not not like Smizek could. Uh, uh, it, it, he was brilliant. I mean, I mean, I mean, he still is. He's alive, yeah. and God bless his soul. Brilliant. He just it was. A, I mean, he was a genius sports columnist. And it was it was incredible to live in that era where he was writing so much. And I got to say this, John. I really got to say this. And this is something you can back up because I was just a kid. I mean, I was a young guy. Here I come into town. I started in 1987, and I I'm coming to town, and it's like Saverin, Hillgrove, Steigl. I mean, I knew about all you guys, John. I knew about you. You were a giant in the in the early 80s. I'm like I'm on the air with these giants. You guys would like sit at the same table at like uh, Steeler games or be hanging out, and I just wasn't worthy. I, I, I said it with all humility. I just couldn't hang out with you guys. I just wasn't worthy. I wasn't worthy to talk to Stan Savern. And I was—I don't know what Stan thinks about me. He probably still thinks of me as a punk kid, and I'm okay with that because I was always the young guy, the rookie, the guy that was—you know—I kind of came in after you guys had all made this an amazing sports town to, to broadcast in, and. People, I guarantee anybody's listening to me right now, they're agreeing with me. They knew what it was like in the 90s, and I, I know I sound like a grumpy old man, but the people that didn't experience the 90s, they don't understand how incredible it was. They don't understand the entertainment value you could have by flipping the channel. Here's Cope doing one of his goofy songs. Right. Then you flip on Stan Saverin uh, on, on whatever they were calling that cable channel with Guy. And Guy's, yeah. Guy's great, too. But, you know, Savard's just a legend. Then you, could, then you flip on, then it's you. Then you flip on, and it's Nova. I mean, you've got the cool. These are the best sportscasters in the country. Not, not Pittsburgh, in the country. They're all on at the same time. Then I wake up, I read Smizek and Kaiden, then I'm driving down the road, and I put Cope on the radio. <laughs> and he'll grow. It, it, are, you, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not exaggerating that the depth of knowledge, the fact these are these are guys that if you're included in this, John. Please, I, I, I'm not to say this I'm on your. I'd say this if I'm talking to somebody else right now. It, 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 these are these are guys that that the only reason one of the reasons that makes them so great is they've seen so much. Mm-hmm. You know, you were there in the you were John. You were from here. 
just like, and that is critical in this town. And that's why I always feel, I want to go back to me just for one second, I always feel I'm the punk rookie. I'm from Harrisburg. I'm not from Pittsburgh. I'm not like Steigerwald. Now, Sammy wasn't from here either. He was from Detroit, but he got here in 70. Yeah. And, of course, Saverin started on the radio in the mid-70s. You were here forever. Your brother was here forever. Your brother was an incredible broadcaster. <laughs> to, listen, to listen to the Penguin games, and you get Mike Lang, the greatest, the greatest NHL broadcaster ever, period. And it's not even close. You get Mike Lang, and then you get Paul Steigerwald, who may be the second greatest NHL broadcaster ever. But Paul should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. I say that with he was he he's his 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 calls are as good as anybody I've heard of any sport. He is an unbelievably talented guy, and his love of the game and his knowledge of the game is unsurpassed. He, and, and when you put him together with Lang, it was magic. Yeah, hey John, and we got to listen to that for a decade. John, I'm out of time. Uh, I'm up against the hard break on this thing. So uh, I just the only thing I wish you would have done is shown a little bit more enthusiasm on this for me. Well, I. I <laughs> I hope that people will uh, talk a little more about Sam because they should. this is one of the great legends in Pittsburgh history. I agree with you. And uh, I'm glad I got you on to sing the praises, man. It's good talking to you again. Uh, all right, John. Thanks. Good talking Th- to you. John Fedko. Thanks. And we'll Thank be right you. back. Don't be at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage. The 2018 Donut Hole is closing fast. Open enrollment ends December 7th, and you have some important decisions to make today. This is John Sagerwald. Medicare is confusing. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial know you have questions, and they have the answers you're looking for. Before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold Pat for 2019? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premiums are going up next year and how much? Should you switch your Part D prescription plan or drop it all together? Don't go it alone. Let Marley Financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want. A plan that focuses not just on cost, but quality. With lower deductibles and co-pays that are little to none. Why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses? Visit MarleyFG.com today. That's MarleyFG.com. Are you about to pay double for roof replacement or repair? If you haven't called Windows or Us, you just might. Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for siding, doors, gutters, downspouts, and roof replacement and repair. Factory certified by North America's largest roof manufacturer, Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months on up to $20,000. Windows R Us will match any competitor's price. No hidden fees or surprises ever. Schedule a free roof inspection today. Mention AM 1250 for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company. Windows R Us, more than a window company. Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com. Healthy pets, healthy people, focusing on a natural, holistic approach for human and animal wellness. Host Dr. Edmund Sokowski and his guests discuss various topics on health and wellness for us and our companion animals. Airs each Saturday, live from 9 to 10 in the morning on 1250 AM, The Answer. Giving you the opportunity to call in with your questions. A healthy pet is a happy pet and being healthy makes people happy. Tune in, listen, learn, be well. Over two-thirds of Christian young people will step away from their faith while attending a non-Christian college or university. But AM 1250 The Answer and Salem Media Pittsburgh have a solution. Salem Media Pittsburgh has partnered with Judson University, a private Christian college, in offering a limited number of special grants designed to decrease the cost of tuition by over half. These tuition grants are available now. Call our tuition solution specialist at 412-503-4769 to reserve yours. Everybody's making money at it except you. You're losing holiday business to your online competitors. Talk to us at Salem Surround, digital marketing experts who offer a free analysis of your online marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales coming out of this season. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround, increasing sales dramatically. 
Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. That's surroundpittsburgh.com. If you're not in the club, you're missing out. AM 1250 Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, get twice the fun for half the price at Fun for All Family Fun Park in Cranberry. Get a $100 value for $50 or $50 value for $25 and enjoy the best family fun rides, games, and attractions, including their new Holiday Lights Mini Golf. It's all for fun at Fun For All. Log on now to TheAnswerPGH.com keyword shopping. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So, um, on, uh, what is it, Wednesday, the, the day of the funeral uh, and the, the service at the Capitol building, um, Donald Trump was there. It looked kind of awkward. He was there with some other president, ex, the ex-presidents, uh, all the living presidents were there, and um, and you know I was sitting there thinking, boy, it's, he's got to feel a little bit uncomfortable. He knows he's, you know, kind of not like them. <laughs> they're a lot more presidential, and they're distinguished, and they don't tweet, and they don't do the things that he does. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe he'll this will change him a little bit. He'll think he's got to be a little bit more presidential because he's got to be feeling really uncomfortable. So his former Secretary of State uh, Rex Tillerson, uh, he made some comments today nothing really really drastic nothing really you know, not, nothing no hardcore stuff just a couple of criticisms and basically was a fairly positive thing he said about him in an interview um and so that rex Tillerson was his former secretary of state so just for a second try to picture oh, i don't know um barack obama saying this about uh john Kerry or richard nixon saying it about henry kissinger this is what Donald Trump tweeted today. Mike Pompeo is doing a great job. I am very proud of him. His predecessor, Rex Tillerson, didn't have the mental capacity needed. He was dumb as a rock, and I couldn't get rid of him fast enough. <laughs> he was lazy as hell. Now it is a whole new ball game. Great spirit at state. Uh, say whatever you want about Donald Trump. You ain't going to change him. And if uh, you're just not. This is what you get for two more years and maybe four more after that. I'm sorry, that may be his greatest tweet ever. And by the way, the best football game of the year is tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Army-Navy. See you Monday. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com